How's everyone doing? Oh, good. We're awake this morning. The teachers are heroes. And I know this for a fact because over my life there was teachers who had to put up with me every day. And somehow I made it. So they are heroes. And I mean, I know this because I, I mean, I was, a, I was a crazy kid. I was a crazy kid. And God is currently, you know, teaching me a lesson through my kids. You know, it's like you hear your parents say all the time, wait till you have kids. Wait. I, yeah, I love my kids to death, but they're crazy. And we are in this Heroes of the Faith series, Imperfect Heroes. And we all have heroes. We all have heroes. I, my mom and my dad are huge heroes in my life, amazing people. Uh, I'm a huge Broncos fan. Hey, couple, let's go. Come on. There's always a couple. We're everywhere. I'm a huge Broncos fan. And growing up as a kid, I loved John Elway. John Elway, in my opinion, was just the greatest man. Could do no wrong. Perfect guy. And I remember one day, my dad took me to the celebrity golf tournament in Tahoe. And John Elway was playing. And I walked with John Elway at every hole, every tee. I just walked. I wore a bright orange jersey, hoping he would notice me. And I, you know, I'm a little 10-year-old kid just walking, following my idol. And I keep like, you know, my dad told me before we go, you can't talk at a golf course. And I was like, but how am I going to get his attention if I can't talk. So like, at the right times, I would cough. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, look at me. <laughs> look at this jersey. That's cool. I'm 10 years old. Love me. Um, and I would do all this. And eventually, we'd walk, and we walk, and we walk. And then my dad's like, you know what? I'm not going to let my kid not have his dream. He just yells out, John. And it was like the clouds of heaven opened up. John Elway turns to me, and he starts to walk towards me. And my heart starts like, oh my gosh, it's happening. And then John Elway came up and shook my hand. Come on. That's a moment right there. Immediately his golf game just tanked. But, you know, <laughs> and then, you know this is a judgment-free place, right? Okay. Uh, you, when I say that, you're supposed to say yes. Because I'm about to share is another hero of mine, uh, Eminem. Uh, Eminem was a huge hero of mine when I was in middle school and high school. And I, I was so in love with Eminem. I dressed like Eminem. I had, I had pants that were eight times too big. And to repent for that now, I wear skinny jeans. You know? And, and I, I had blonde hair. And everywhere I walked, I walked just like Eminem. I had the stride down and everything. I talked like Eminem. I started a rap career for a little bit. Didn't work out. But I loved Eminem. And we all have heroes but you know what we hate? Is when our heroes let us down. Can you, you know, we know this, when, when the news line of our hero goes across the news and it says that they've made a mistake, they, they've done something wrong, it hurts us. And I had a hero of the faith when I first gave my life to Christ. I, I had a hero, a, a pastor who, he, he was at a big church, I watched his sermons every week and I, I modeled my faith off of his teachings. I, I idolized this guy. And one day it came out that he had been misusing church funds for his own gain. And my whole faith was wrecked. Because I had put my faith and building my faith and my hope into a person. But who knows that when we put our hope and our future and our faith in humanity, humanity will always fail us. But when we put our hope and future in Jesus Christ, he will never let us down. So today we're going to be talking about a hero of the faith, David. Anybody love David? Come on. David is David's the, the, described in the Bible as a, a man after God's own heart. 
That's a great, great description to have in the Bible about yourself. We all know David, the giant slayer. You know, come on, go down, Goliath. You know, he conquered kingdoms, he built kingdoms. He, and here's my favorite thing about David, is the stories of him wrestling a bear and a lion with his hands. Come on, people. He's the man of all men. Like if he showed up at men's night on Tuesday, I would let him speak right away. He's, he's the guy. But guess what? David had imperfections. David made mistakes. And we're gonna dive into those today and pull out lessons that we can learn through his mistakes. You guys with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We pray that you would just speak to us, that we would listen to you today. Open up our heart and open up our ears to hear you. We give you the rest of this time in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So David, this conquering king, this mighty man in 2 Samuel verse 11, we get to see another side of David. Uh, chapter 11 verse 1, sorry. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. If you have your Bible, underline that. Highlight it. The time when kings go off to war. David sent Joab out of the king's, with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rahab. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Uh-oh. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. That was like David's social media of the time. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Man, David. <laughs> Don't worry, it gets worse. This is the day, like this isn't my, my preschool Bible study David. Right? This is not the David I think about when I think of David. And see, what we're going to learn through the story of David is we're going to learn three things that he did that we should avoid. And we're going to learn to stay away from three very dangerous words. Maybe some of the most dangerous words in your life. I deserve this. I deserve this. Very dangerous words. King David was supposed to be at war. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And the first thing we learn from David is in this moment, he chose comfort over calling. He chose comfort over calling. In verse 1, it says, in the springtime when kings go off to war, where he should have been, David was not where he was supposed to be. He chose the comfort over the kingdom, his palace, over his mission and his calling. See, it is very easy in our life. I need all of you here, all of you have a calling in your life to serve Jesus. A lot of our callings look different, but we are all called to serve Jesus in this world. And when we are following comfort, when we're giving into comfort and not following our calling, it is so easy for the enemy to squeeze in and for sin to enter into the equation. 
If David was where he should have been, instead of being on rooftops, the story would read different. And you're saying, okay, I get that, but what kind of comfort are you talking about? Let me put it in today's terms. We, we fall into comfort over calling all the time. Maybe it's the amount of TV we watch. Maybe it's how much time we spend on social media. Maybe it's our political discussions. Maybe it's our numbing tools that we use to numb the pain or the hurt or the stress of a day. We might not be David in this, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've said numerous times, I deserve to do this because I had a hard day. I deserve to step out of my calling because it's been a rough week. And when we utter these words, the enemy is just waiting with all joy, just like, come on. Yeah, you do deserve it. When we, when we step out of our calling and we, we align with comfort, it's so easy for sin to sink in. And I know this because how many days have I gone home from work and I've, I've just got home and I've had a really stressful day and my first reaction is, it's Monday, of course I'm watching football. Some, some wives, don't nudge your husband, okay? Right, how many days have I gone home from a long week and you know, I'm just gonna lounge out today. I'm just gonna scroll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break. I deserve this, I had a hard week. I'm getting the process wrong. See, when I, when I align in my calling, when I keep my vision on Jesus, when I have a hard day, my first reaction will be to go to Jesus. When I've had a long week, my first reaction will be to get on my knees and pray for strength for the week to come. We are using worldly tools to fulfill us when we're designed to be fulfilled by Jesus alone. And I don't know if you know this, but I find myself in life oftentimes when I'm on social media or I'm watching a movie and I'm trying to get filled up, something will pop up on the screen that will discourage me more. If you don't think the enemy is trying to get you out of your calling in life and sink into comfort, you're fooling yourself. There's nothing wrong with taking breaks, or, but if you are using these things as tools to fulfill you, you are not being fully fulfilled. Walk in your calling, don't seek comfort. You guys still with me? A couple of you are. <laughs> Second thing we can learn from David is he chose darkness over light. He chose darkness over light. As we continue to read in the story in verse five, you'll see what I mean. Right after they'd slept together in verse five, the woman conceived and sent word for David, saying, I'm pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. I wanna pause there. I, I, this kind of just hit me. When, when he's saying, send me Uriah the Hittite, I'm reading that line, I'm thinking, David's gonna do the right thing. David's gonna bring her husband home and confess and do everything right, but as we continue to read, and Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Small talk, right? How's it going on the field where I should be? How's it going out there? Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet, so Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. 
But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go into the house. Some of you are catching on what David's doing here. David is not doing the right thing at all. David is sending Uriah to the house to sleep with his wife, to cover up his sin, to cover up his sin. He chose to hide in the darkness of his lie instead of doing the right thing and bringing his mistake to light. Martin Luther King says, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Only light can do that. Holding on to our mistakes, covering them up, hiding them, burying them, making excuses for them, keeps them in darkness. And you can only find healing when those things that are in darkness are brought to the light of Jesus. That's the only time you can find healing. There's areas in our life that we need to stop hiding from. And let me just say this. I know there's some stuff that's happened in your life that the consequences seem too big if you're truthful about it. It's gonna to be too hard, it's gonna to be too messy, whatever it is. You gotta know that if, it's, if those things are keeping you in darkness, that is not coming from God. God only works in light, not in the darkness. Now, you think, oh man, that's bad, right? Let's continue to read. Verse 11, Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in open country. How could I go to my house and eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as I live, I will do no such thing. Can you imagine me and David right here? Like, okay, not only am I living in darkness, I'm hiding my sin, I've now met the most humble, honoring guy in the world. And I've slept with his wife. And I tried to cover it up. And he's, how could I do that? Because all the men are out in tents. They're out at battle, David. And I wonder what David's thinking. Oh, where I should be. Where I should be. Let's continue to read. Then David said to him, stay here one more night. David's pulling out all the tricks. Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him. Here's the, here's the kicker here. And David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. David is doing something that I call the sin cycle. I'm gonna bring Uriah, send him home. That's my first cover-up option. When that doesn't work, now I'm asking him to stay again. I'm going to wine him and dine him and get him drunk. Of course he'll go home. He's, he's covering up and covering up and covering up in this darkness. And when you start to cover up sin, I want you to hear this. When you cover up sin, the consequences start to double up. It starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, here's how I know this. I have a house, have a backyard, small backyard. I have two dogs. My dogs poop in that backyard <laughs> every day without, without question. And it is my responsibility in the household to clean up said poop. I don't know if we're allowed to say poop in church. It's better than the other word. So I, it's my job to clean that up. And I'm, I'll, Monday will hit. I know there's some out there waiting for me. 
But you know what? I'm going to put that off to tomorrow. Tuesday comes, I'm going to put that off to tomorrow. Wednesday comes, Thursday comes, and I keep putting it off. And then by Saturday, I find myself in rubber gloves and rubber boots and a mask on, and I'm knee-deep in dog poop in my backyard, what I could have done on Monday because I kept putting it off. I don't think you guys are seeing the visual here. Because I, I, if I would have done it on Monday, it wouldn't be so bad on Friday. And it, oh, let's do this. We do the same thing in our life. I'm going to put off addressing that sin. I'm going to put off talking to that person. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put it off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then on Sunday, you find yourself here in spiritual gloves and spiritual boots at the end of your rope, digging through all the mess you built the week. Because we're covering up, we're putting off, we continue to live in darkness until we step into the light, amen? You guys still with me? I gotta go clean up the backyard after this. <laughs> Number three. He chose himself over others. He chose himself over others in multiple ways. He chose himself over Bathsheba when he put his wants and needs over hers. And then as we continue to read, after, after Uriah doesn't go to his house, in verse 14 we read, In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it he wrote, Put Uriah at the front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him and he'll be struck down and die. This is not David, right? He'll be struck down and die. I find it ironic. He sent the letter with the guy. You want to know why he had the boldness to do that? Because he thought he deserved to. He chose himself over people a lot in this story. He chose himself over Uriah as he, as he sent him to the front lines to die. He's saying that my life, Uriah, is more important than yours. My my status as the conquering king is more important than your life. He chose himself over Joab because he, he makes Joab commit murder for him. Because he says, you know, my needs and my wants are more important than you. And the truth is, is we do this all the time. Maybe not to this extent. Maybe not this bad, but how often do we lie to people to cover up something in our life? How often do we take advantage of family or friends or relationships to clean up a mistake of ours? The truth is, is that when we live a life like this, we're covering up sin and living in darkness and thinking I deserve it, what we start to do is we start to pull people into our mess. We start to pull people into our mess and ask them to do things that we shouldn't be asking them to do, to cover up for us, to help us in areas we shouldn't. You wonder how I know this is true? How I know this is human nature? Because I have twin daughters. They're four years old. Like three or four nights ago, we had just a bunch of Halloween candy left over. And, you know, I'm alone with them, eating dinner, and... They said, I said, hey, if you eat all your food, you can have some candy after dinner. Cool, Dad. And 
they start to eat and they don't finish their dinner. And they say, can we still have candy? And my answer, I went into tough dad mode. No, put my foot down. Gotta have some boundaries here. And usually I'm a softy. Usually I'm just like, okay, take one bite. Yeah, you got multiple pieces of candy. The dentist will be later, I don't care. But I, I felt like, you know what, I gotta put my foot down here. They gotta start to learn that there's some, some repercussions to their actions, right? And so I send them to their room and uh, they go play and get ready for bed. And as I'm walking by the room, I hear some discussion going on between the two of them. See, I had told them that they kept asking and kept asking. I said, if you ask again, there's gonna be a consequence. You're gonna be in trouble. So I, I walk by the room and I put my ear up and I hear this conversation between my daughter Harper and Willow. Harper is telling Willow the plan to get candy. <laughs> She's breaking it down. She said, wait till he gets here. And then she says, Willow, you go ask him. Willow, you go ask him. What she's doing here is saying, Willow, you go get in trouble. Because if he says no, you're going to be the one to get in trouble. Best case scenario, he says, yes, and I get candy. This was David. You take care of this. You take care of this. You hide this from me. He's constantly putting himself above others. Because he deserves it, right? He deserves that break. He deserves that cover up. He deserves that. The truth is we have to ask ourselves, to, as a Christ follower, we have to know that the Bible's very clear. There's only one thing we deserve, that is death. Because of our sins and our transgressions, the only thing we deserve in the end is death. But because of the love and mercy and the greatness and magnitude of Jesus Christ who came from heaven to earth to make himself less, to die on a cross for you and for me, he took what we deserve so we could live forever. He gave us a, a beautiful visual to follow. He gave us a beautiful visual to follow. The God of the universe, who had every right to just reign in his kingdom, came down to earth to die on a piece of wood. He put us above his own light. We are called to live that way. We are called to live in a way that is always others focused. That, that we continuously make ourselves less to prop others up, to support others, to help others. We need to live in that mindset. And I'll tell you this, when you embrace this mindset, living this way, it becomes easier and easier over time. It's hard at first. It's like, it's like giving. Giving was really hard for me at first to the church. But as time and time went on, I learned the blessings that come with it. We are called to put ourselves, we are called to put others above ourselves. Now, I'm gonna wrap up with this. It's easy to read the story of David and look at it and just say, man, that is so discouraging. That is so discouraging. That this guy that as the church we idolize, the giant slayer, the king, the man after God's own heart, was an adulterous murderer. It's easy to fall into discouragement there. But as I read this and I studied this and I start to look, you know, if you look at it a different way, if you look at it through the lens of God's greatness, 
God's holiness and God's perfection, it's an uplifting story. Because what this story tells us is that, yes, he was a king slayer. I mean, a king slayer, a giant slayer. He did wrestle lions and bears and all that. But he had mistakes, horrible ones. God said, I'm gonna use you anyway. The holiness of God is not surprised by our mistakes. He had a plan for David all along. The greatness of God is in this story that he chose to take a broken, messed up man and still choose him to rule the kingdom, still choose him to do great things in his name. How many of us walk around like our sin disqualifies us from doing great things for Jesus? We walk around in shame and regret because we've made mistakes. How could I serve Jesus? Read this story and see the holiness of God. See the greatness of God that he chose to make his perfect plan for the world using us imperfect people. Now in just a minute, we're gonna dis dismiss service, but we're gonna do something a little different. So after I pray, please don't leave. We're gonna close service out a little different. But let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Just your greatness and your holiness, God. God, we thank you for choosing broken people like us. For pulling us out of the depths. Father, we love you and we praise you in your holy name. Amen. And like I said, we're gonna close a little different. In Psalms 51, we find a Psalm from David where he is repenting of his sin. And in there, there's a description as David starts to ask God to rescue him from his brokenness, rescue him from his sin. And he says, I will sing of your holiness. I will sing of your, off, your awesomeness, God. I will use my lips to sing of your greatness, to pull me out of this sin. And I wonder if we should do that today. If we should just sing of the holiness of God, no matter where we're at, no matter what sins we've been struggling with, what brokenness, what mistakes we've made, maybe the answer is to stand and sing about the holiness of Jesus Christ, amen? So would you all stand with me as we sing this song together?
awesome God, Holy Savior. We thank you, Father. We thank you for taking us. Holy God, holy are you. Let's sing it one more time. Come on. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Come on, everybody. Father God, we thank you for today. We pray that we would echo this song throughout the week. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. Amazing, wonderful Savior. Thank you for stories of redemption and for eternity's changed. We love you, Father, in your holy name. Amen.